Hi, I'm Emily Freeman. And I'm Natalie Jackson, and we are both directors of Totally Runnable and Sea Sporty Be Sporty. And welcome to this episode of our Sea Sporty Be Sporty Role Models podcast series. In this series, we are talking to some awesome and undisputed role models from the world of sport. Why? To celebrate the launch of our Role Models poster series. Posters of awesome role model girls doing the sports they love, which we have sent out to our first set of 2,000 schools across Yorkshire and beyond. We know that girls and boys in primary schools still don't see enough pictures of other girls being sporty. And if you can't see it, you can't be it. So we are doing our bit to fix that. My co-host today has already said hi. She is the wonderful Emily Freeman, former UK number one sprinter, Olympian, world finalist, and of course, my co-founder at Totally Runnable and Sea Sporty Be Sporty. Hey, Em. Hiya. Hi, and I could essentially repeat the introduction, but I shan't. You can, you deserve your own, Jeanette. We have with us today, five-time British athletics champion, 2008 100-meter Beijing Olympic finalist, the first black female UK TV presenter for boxing on terrestrial TV, BBC, Sky Sports and Channel 5 broadcaster. It is the fabulous Jeanette Quatchy. Oh my God, Hello. hi Nat, hi Em. When you say all of that, that just makes me extremely tired. I'm like, oh my God, like, how have I managed to get to this place and space and done all of that? It doesn't even feel like it, to be fair, but thank you for such a lovely introduction. <laughs> I didn't even get into the sports you've covered, though. There is so much that I'm used to seeing you or hearing you talk about. Athletics, women, taekwondo, the women's football show, of course. I'm a a football fan, so that has to be my favourite. But, yeah, I am outnumbered with the two of you, though, on the athletics front today, definitely. There's a lot. There's so many things that I've kind of, like, turned my hand to since retiring from athletics. And I learnt very quickly, Nat and Em, that... If you want to make it in the world of sports broadcasting, you can't just go on the basis of one sport. You might be able to if you're a football expert and just wing it, but anything else, you've really got to be able to have so many strings to your bow. But I think the difference is that I absolutely adore sports. So for me, it was a no-brainer. If it involves competition, winning and losing and emotions, I'm all over it. So I managed to to get involved in a number of sports and ones that I really like to watch and, and enjoy as well. Am I right that you went back and got a, like a qualification to kind of get to that point as well? Yeah, I did. Um, do you know why? Because when I retired, right, I thought to myself, OK, I really want to enter this media space and I really want to be a person who doesn't kind of get cast away as soon as the next person retires. Do you know, I didn't want to be like a, a talking head that just gets kind of wheeled out when the worlds are on or when the Olympics are on. I thought, let me be in a position where I know how to write, I know how to edit, I know how to produce, you know, pitching stories. And I think that that was quite important for me to be able to do that, to show that I'm serious about it. Because I guess when you're starting another career at 30, I want to say I retired, when you start another career after having had one, it's a really weird space to be in. Because, you know, and we were we'll probably get onto this, when we were athletes, you know, we were at the very top of our game, like nobody could dispute it. The only reason or only way you could dispute what we did was by beating us. And that was so clear. Cross the line first, you're the best. But then... Life was straightforward. It was so straightforward. Doing every day, whether you were doing well or not. Exactly. And And that was it. And then you move into a space and a place where... Things are so subjective, like everyone's got an opinion. So I had to make sure that I felt confident enough within myself to, to enter that space. And I did all the work that I could do to, to start that journey. So I'm actually quite 
proud of myself for for seeing it through because learning something new at 30 is not easy at all <laughs> i don't know how you guys do that like in all seriousness i know it sounds like a silly thing to say like oh like retiring in your 30s actually i don't know how you do that because it's not just retiring from a career it's retiring from what you've done your whole life isn't it it's not something you just like picked up after university or you know did as a job or this is you've done this since you, i mean em you were like 10 11 yeah i think that is it's amazing to have to like restart again and take the stuff that you've learned and all of that i I'm, i can't let you get any further though because we have to play our game first. oh yeah of course go ahead shoot off <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so before we get too far into into um learning more and hearing about yeah you guys um, going so far back um, we need to start with today's game which I like to call 11 things everyone should know about Jeanette Kwachi so it's multiple choice it should be fairly straightforward although some people have struggled with the questions it's it's important things important stuff we're talking about here uh, so no right or wrong answers Jeanette are you ready I'm ready I'm ready I'm, I'm excited go on <laughs> she's ready she's ready okay cake or pie cake cats or dogs Oh, I couldn't hear that. Then that say that again. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Invisibility or super strength? Oh my god. Tricky. That is a tough one. Oh my god. Invisibility. Warm weather or cold weather? That is not even uh, warm weather. I cannot even think about like no warm weather Silly straight person. away. <laughs> uh, Love actually or bend it like Beckham. Bendy like Beckham. Hot chocolate or coffee? Coffee. <laughs> Digital watch or analog watch? Digital. Box sets or movies? Oof, box sets. I'm known to fall asleep notoriously during a movie, so it has to be box set where I've got a bit of control <laughs> over my time. <laughs> Singing or dancing? Dancing. Watching football or watching tennis? football last question cardio or weights weights all day oh my god <laughs> <laughs> was it tougher than you thought <laughs> no it was fine it's actually fine i think the invisibility versus super strength <laughs> is definitely my hardest but I, I, everything else is so straightforward like i kind of know what i want i think yeah is invisibility or stupid thing like you could be thinking about that all day and still come up with different answers i, I say that because my my son and i He's five. We were talking about it just the other day and he was asking me about superpowers and what he'd have and he said he wouldn't want to fly because it would be too cold to fly in the sky. And I thought, that's quite an interesting thing to say at five years old. Rather that's than fly, fly somewhere warm. He's like, no, mum, it's too cold up there. I don't want to fly. <laughs> Good knowledge. <laughs> my, my little girl is about to turn three and she was talking the other day about superheroes and I said, she said, I'm a superhero. I said, you are a superhero, sweetheart. I said, is your name Super Lexi? And she went, no, I'm just Lexi. <laughs> okay. That's not you. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. Why, why put limitations on the matter? Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> so I do sometimes ask at this point how you guys, with obviously Emily being an elite athlete and we sometimes have Jenny on as well, Jenny Meadows, also an elite athlete. And I always ask, oh, how would you get on in each other's events? We actually know this. This is yeah, like we actual do. history. We do. Can I just say though, Em was superior to me over the 200 metres because anything longer than 12 seconds 
for me was an <laughs> absolute struggle. So anyone listening and thinking, oh my gosh, she's so fit. Yeah, I'm fit for about 11 seconds. And then <laughs> after that, it just completely goes south. So um, I never could quite understand how Emily had this incredible endurance, you know, for the last 50 metres where she'd just pull away from all of us. But then also saying that, Emily, like, why do I feel like there was this massive wasted opportunity where you could have just been this incredible 400 metre runner? Don't mention the 400. One of my biggest <laughs> regrets. Just don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Yeah, a little, a little bit. But I, I don't know. If you can be pretty good at the two and you're not sure about how good you could be at the four and it just, it hurts so much, that 400, doesn't it? Yeah, so it does. Regrets maybe, but maybe not as well because it's just such a long way. But um. You say such a long way. You have run a marathon since then, Emily. I have run a marathon that you made me do. It was awful. It was awful. I mean, that's that's a long way. <laughs> that is awful, a super but, long way. But, and I do but, I always find but, it fascinating when, fascinating when athletes retire and it's like, oh, let me just do this 5K because that doesn't even come into my head. Like, I don't <laughs> want to do the 5K. I just, I'd rather, like we said, lift some weights and just do the things I actually enjoy when it comes down to fitness. But um, I commend you, Em, for the marathon that you've ran because, you know, I'd cheer you on all day. I'll interview you, I'll interview you after you finish as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not doing another, so uh, no. And um, yeah, but you're, yeah, the 100 metres was never, never my strong point. And the 60, you were so fast over the 60. But, um, See, um, the, yeah, the, short, the shorter it was, Nat, the better, the longer it went on for, M got better. So I guess we could probably meet in the middle. Over 150 would have been the battle royale. I think that's probably Ooh, where we would have met. That would have been a good, that would have been fun. That would have been good. <laughs> I always think that with M, that like with, there was a point before we both had our little girls where actually, and I am not any kind of fast runner. I am, I am, I didn't start running until I was a grown up, till I was in my late 20s. Um, had you know no great sort of sporting massive talent but I just enjoyed being physical and there was definitely a point before we had children where the longer I went if I could get Emily to 5k I I could beat her but anything too short or if she was anywhere near me in the last 200 I was in trouble that was definitely but the longer I go with Emily the better but actually she's quite quick at the moment she's she's doing some good training at the moment you've been jogging 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 about that's probably an unpopular way to talk about it, but yeah, jogging. And um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to beat my 200 PB in the 5K. So that's <laughs> trying to beat your 200 meter PB in the 5K. Wait. What does that mean? What so does that even mean? So 22.64 seconds. If I can get to 22 oh. and a half minutes in the <laughs> minutes? 5K. 22 Emily, and a half minutes. Yeah. So what are you on at the minute? <laughs> you, uh, you must be pretty know, close. 20, 23, 23. Are you serious, Em? Is I'm that how fast you're running the 5K? I'm trying to get back, yeah. That I'm is just, rapid. I need something, I need something. When the gyms are shut, like, I need to get back to the gym. I need to get strong again, but... Um, so you're basically oh, Paula Reckless now. <laughs> <laughs> All I can think about when I was doing my longer reps as a 200-meter runner was Paula could probably like run the marathon at my longer rep pace that's all that entered my head when I was training it's a bit disheartening though isn't it like it does make yeah, you think yeah. like you know she's she's a long distance runner and you're a sprinter but don't worry about that I'm actually shocked at the fact you could run 23 minutes for a 5k which is insane because the last time I did a 5k it was so traumatic I said I'm not doing it again I didn't even have the the willpower to, to pick it up but I'd like to take strength and knowledge from that that I just know my strengths you know and I know 
what works and I know what doesn't yep. and, I, yep. and, I, and, I, and I go from there. <laughs> Definitely. I want to know, I love this. I love how, like, tell us, I guess tell, tell all of us how long, when did you guys first meet? When did you guys first know each other? Let's think about this. So if we can go, like, we, I don't think you and I, Em, weren't on the same junior teams, were we? No, I'm older. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> only, by, only, only by a couple of years. So I'm trying to think. So if you so, and Jen, you and Jen were a couple of years older. So I probably didn't start competing with Emily until we were seniors. So I want to say 2005, 2006, Em, is when you and I yeah. probably hit up the the kind of, the, the national level where we were at because obviously we were teammates in Beijing did we go to Osaka together Em? we did we, go to Osaka, Osaka 2007 yes yeah. yeah, so around about that time now nah. but what's always really interesting about um sprinters is that there were so many of us that were based in the south of the UK so Emily for us was this like northern queen that would come down and we'd have to be quite ready for her because we knew that she'd be spicy oh. on the day because you know what I mean she's like oh okay I'm coming down to these south London women you know this south of, you know south of the south of the country I'm coming to show Ooh, you what it's rivals. all about yeah so it was it was actually really really cool because that gave me a real good insight and awareness of what was happening across the UK because you, you do get quite caught up in your little sprinter bubble down in the south. And, you know, Emily will agree, you know, she'd probably come down. We were so hostile. And so it was like <laughs> all of us down in the south. But she, I think that to be able to do that, you really have to be able to hold your own and say, OK, I'm, I'm as good as anyone else that's here. And, you know, she proved that time and time again. So I really respected her for that. You had no idea what was going on inside. I was just like <laughs> so petrified <laughs> of <laughs> crossing, yeah, down to the south, anywhere below Birmingham, so it's like, <laughs> oh my God, I've got to go and race these girls. But um, it's really girls. interesting that, yeah, you clocked that as well, that difference um, in, yeah, I de- definitely. And I, yeah, there weren't as many of us up in the North um, and it, yeah, so different level of competition up here. You and Annika, I guess. And even, you know, at one yeah. stage, Annika moved down to the south, you know, to train and stuff. She's like, okay, if you can't beat him, join him. So she came, so she came down. But I think what, you know, what is really, int- like I say, what is interesting, it does really give you an awareness that there, th- this, this is so much bigger than your own little training group, your own little national side. And then, you know, we'd always travel and kind of come together towards the end of the championships for, for relays and for everything else. So, yeah, it was actually, it was, I think it was a really friendly, healthy rivalry, actually, I had with Emily which is nice because I can still get to talk to her, you know, 10 years long after we've retired and, uh, and chat about some of those memories. And I, like from an outside perspective, it must be a strange world to exist in. It's like this elite sport world where you guys are. And as well, I've got so many questions that I want to ask you guys around like there is, do you feel like you're in a, a bubble and not everybody understands the world that you're living in? Or do you feel like you're just doing a job? Go on, Em. I'll let you answer that one. I think I, think I didn't realise I was in such a bubble at the time, but I think now looking back, it's like I was competing and spending so much time with that group of people. I don't think I actually really got to know people and the way I don't think they got to know me. And I think a missed opportunity there a little bit. There's obviously little kind of friendship groups and people that, um, that you would uh, spend time with. It's just a weird... 
elite sport is a weird thing, isn't it? Where you're competing, especially in individual sport, where you are rivals, you've got to stack up on the track and then line up against each other and, and do your best. You, do, you want to beat everybody in sight. But then, yeah, I think at the time, like, everybody around me were the people that understood. They're the only people that could understand exactly what we went through at that time and what elite sport was in that period of time for us. And I know we all kind of probably had a different experience of it. But it's something I've said to you now. It'd be nice to catch up with people, almost a debrief. I feel like I need to go, like, just interesting of, like, <laughs> just, a, just a weird, a different part of your life. When, when you retire and you've got to enter this kind of more kind of real-life version of existence, and I'm just interested if everybody had a similar kind of experience of that kind of transition to me, and I think that's really interesting. But So in a bubble, but I didn't probably realise at the time, I thought it was, this is everything at the time because you need to to hit the heights don't you it's consuming it is completely consuming but sometimes in a really really good way and I think if you've got the right people around you it um it can be something that's a really positive experience I think it starts to shift towards a not so nice experience when when the stakes are really really high and then you're not quite emotionally intelligent to to manage that and I think that that's where it switches up that's why it's so important that to kind of have the the people around you that have your best interests at heart as soon as they can kind of see you enter in a space that is not going to be conducive to performance they need to remove you from that situation I think that that's key because you're so focused within that bubble space that M speaks about, you don't see it for yourself, you know? Like, no matter how much you think you're aware, no matter how much you think your eyes are open, if you've got people that are on the outside looking in, they could be like, right, this is not necessarily the best situation for this person. Which is why I speak to a lot of the younger sprinter girls now, and um, I'm not saying anything I did was the gospel. Absolutely not. Like, what I don't have is a blueprint but what I do have is hindsight. So if I can see there's a situation or a, or, a, or a circumstance that is very familiar to me when I was in that time, I will give you my experience and you make of that what you will. I will never tell you what to do because I feel like that journey definitely needs to be had for you to understand and for the body and the mind to be able to be in a position where it can deal and cope with it. So um, I think that's super duper important. And yeah, it's a bubble, but it's, it can be a nice one. It can be a good one. But when it pops and you move into the real world, <laughs> you just got to get with it quite quickly. <laughs> how, and how did you first get involved in, in sprinting and athletics? So for me, um, I think I, I carry a traditional story. It very much, I had an incredible PE teacher who was, um, you could see that I had a lot of energy. Um, she could also see that I wasn't always the best at team sports. Um, so she thought, okay, let's, let's put her in an individual sport. And if she loses, there's only one person she can blame and that's herself. So (laughs) she moved me into, into track and field. And the connection there was that her husband was the local track and field coach where we were in East London. And, um, that's kind of how it started, you know, and it kind of really, um, I would say spiraled, but it, it got bigger and the, the better I got, the more opportunity I could see, what could come from the sport, but um, I took a couple of years out when I was younger. So this is probably why I was never on a junior team with Emily because I took a, a good couple of years away from the sport because I just fell out of love with it for a bit when I was about 16, 17. I didn't get back into it till I was about 18, 19. So it was around about that time that I realised that if I wanted to do this properly, 
I'm gonna have to put a bit of commitment into it. And who were your? Did you have any role models at that point? Either either when you started or when you came back in? Did you have role models within the sport? I would say I'd looked up to um, a lot of the women that I saw on the television. So Denise Lewis, you know, I've been on record saying that she for me was someone who was absolutely phenomenal. And um, even now in my career now, you know, someone who can give me a call or make me feel assured if I'm not, you know, feeling this, if I'm feeling a certain type of way, she was absolutely someone that was there. But you also, from a role model perspective, you, 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 I took from different people, different parts and different elements of them that I saw that I liked, that I thought were, were really cool. Because at the time when you're a young girl, it's about what's cool and what makes you smile. And those are the things that I took on board. You know, I didn't know what hardships they were having as adults in their own lives. So I wasn't able to, to dive into that. But it was this outward exterior that they may be possessed that drew me to them, that made me take away elements of their own personalities. Like what sort of thing? Oh, OK. So for me, it was very much about how you made people feel. So were you funny? Were you somebody who could make people laugh? Did they enjoy being around you? And I always liked that kind of energy. Did they have a warm spirit? You know, were they confident? As a young girl, confidence was a massive, massive thing. I'm, I've always had a bit of a a bit of a thing that I've had to work on very much as an adult about around shy people. I don't really when I when I meet shy people, I I can't automatically think that they're going to want to speak or talk, you know, and that I had to kind of bring back in and be like, okay, I can't jump around and dance around this, this, this person who is quite happy being introverted around my extroverted self. So it's, it's that kind of thing, you know, confidence was, was a massive, massive thing and big personalities are what drew me to people who, who I looked up to. Do you think that helped in sprinting as well? Oh yeah, massively. I think so massively. And and I think about a lot of, you know, the, the sprinters that we kind of grew up with M and we think about like their personalities and stuff. So, you know, you you weren't this massive extrovert. You were actually quite happy to go about your business, do your training. You know, you weren't screaming with us a lot on the table at lunchtime or dinner time. <laughs> you know, you weren't, that wasn't your vibe. You know what I mean? And now when I look back, I respect it because you never really tried to be that person. You were like, you know what, girls? I'm doing what I'm doing. I look at someone like a Craig Pickering, for example, really calm in his spirit, you know what I mean? Didn't want to be around the, the, the peacocks, as I call us, of the, of the track and field world. And yeah, it can help. But at the same time, you know, you, you have every danger of going into a competition or a race, sometimes overconfident, sometimes over aroused because you haven't had the emotional intelligence to kind of be within yourself and understand that there's a process before you get to that end goal. And a lot of that for me is um, a lessons that I learned in sport and you know, you're still learning in life now for sure. That's really interesting as well. Cause yeah, I know that, like how you saw different people and different personalities in and yeah, I definitely felt like the introvert. And I felt like sometimes my personality of traveling the world and being with and being a sprinter, I was like, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't <laughs> for me or doesn't fit. But, um, but um... yeah, I think, like everybody's got to be themselves haven't they and, and do what's right for them and I think yeah looking back you can completely appreciate that for everybody but um at the time yeah you just kind of want to fit in a little bit as well and stuff so and I guess that that's that's a really interesting way to be and I guess that if I 
there are a few girls now that you see their personalities are quite quiet and they're really chilled. And, you know, when they ask me for advice and it's literally like, just do what you're doing. Like, you don't have to conform. You don't have to be this particular person. You don't have to fit the stereotype of what a sprinter or a distance runner or a thrower or a football player or anyone should have to be. Because essentially the talent is in your body and whatever you're working with in your mind is is what will make you perform better. So don't try and be someone else. That is exhausting. Do not do that. Like, be your own person and focus on how you can be amazing on the pitch or on the track or in the pool, wherever you are. Definitely. I have to say at this point as well, though, that you were one of my absolute role models, really, in the no, sport as well. No. So you were so inspiring. So if, like, some of the performances, there was a particular one indoors, you set the record. Was that, was it 2007-ish, eight? 2008, I think it was, for the, for the British record. Of, yeah. Yeah, and I was like... I need to pull my finger out here. I need to get, like, it It raised the bar, which was great at that time. We needed somebody like you that was kind of pushing the boundaries and setting the records and showing what could be done. And I think in a role model, that was, I was like, right, what's, what's Jeanette doing? <laughs> I need to be doing a bit of that. Like, but that, yeah, so definitely. It's that healthy rivalry though, isn't it, Em? Like, exactly yeah. what I was saying. Like, we knew that in the last 50 metres, right, if you're in a race with Em, you've got to have your socks pulled up because she'll come back at you. Do you know what I mean? And it, and it is that. It is taking away little bits of what your competitors can do and thinking, right, how am I best positioned to make this work and to, to beat them in the, in the nicest way? And you know what, Nat? It doesn't come without tension. Like, Emily, Emily and I... We were in the in the Beijing Olympic final for the relay. We had the nightmare of dropping the baton. You know, the aftermath wasn't nice. Like, it's, it's stuff like that that when I tell people that story, they're like, oh, my God, Olympic final. I'm like, yeah, but you know what, guys? It happens. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't rewind the clock. M can't rewind the clock. Montel can't rewind the clock because in that moment, that's what was meant to happen. And we as women walked away from that absolutely devastated don't get me wrong but look how much we learned him look how much you were able to take away from that and the resilience and everything else that we take away as women that's a life lesson and I'm glad it happened I'm glad I'm absolutely glad it happened because it really showed us okay this is sport this is it like not everything is going to be a bed of roses and this is this is a, this is a story that I'll tell my kids and it's actually probably a more exciting one than <laughs> <laughs> we won a medal. <laughs> Definitely, I mean? and that, that's that's exactly what Nat tells me when we we've talk, kind of talked about it. And um, she said, "Shall I? Could I mention the the, the, the oh, relay?" Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> and, uh, no I'm, I'm I'm good, I'm good. And she said, "I think I'd prefer you. I think I'd prefer you that you I, don't have a medal. I think, like, I think you're much you, more so interesting." You, I think, honestly, <laughs> and I know that sounds like I'm saying it, but I, I like I think. As a sports person, so from a non-sports person, to have role models in sport, it's brilliant to have, you know, your Mo Farry, your Jessica Ennis, like they they need, there's a place for that kind of role model that has objectively, I guess, because I don't know what's going on in, in their lives, but objectively, like I worked really hard and then I won the gold medal. Like that that's a lovely story. But actually, I don't relate as well to that as I relate to in my life or in other people's lives. Like, Things don't go how you want them to go. You guys dropping a baton in an Olympic final is just to me like such a distilled pure, like sport mirror in life, all of that. It's such a distilled, like I can, I, I feel a teeny tiny bit of what I'm sure that felt like. But actually, 
like you you say it and you've said it as well like you guys wouldn't be the people that you are if that hadn't happened and actually like you know Emily Emily for me is like massive role model in so many ways like she's goddaughter to my little girl there's there's no way that that I would want Emily any different and actually she would she might be completely different if if that hadn't have gone that way and is that easy to say when you weren't there yeah no do you know what I don't know Emily and I guess because it's it's a really weird thing that okay when you've got four women who spend literally 12 months training to beat each other okay then at the end of championships you've got a relay coach saying right girls let's get together and win a gold medal and it's like wow yeah you know I've, I've actually spent the last 12 months actually trying my hardest not to actually get at her and now I've got to you know be this amazing teammate and we're going to go for it and everybody's approach is going to be a bit different and I'll always remember the the morning after the night before and it was a really upsetting meeting Em and you remember you and I we were we we got into a bit of a, a row about it and you know there were some words and it, it, it took me a good few years to sit back and think my god you know, d- did I approach that in the right way? But that's me talking with hindsight. That's me talking as a 30-something-year-old woman, not a 25-year-old woman. Sorry, Alexa. Sorry about that. Oh, oh. hey, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Alexa. But, it took, you know, it took me as a, as a 25-year-old woman to... No, sorry, as a, it took me as a 30-year-old woman to realise, wow, in that moment, maybe I could have done things a bit different. Do you see what I'm saying? So... Listen, I think at the end of the day, it, it has to kind of be this way to, to learn those big life lessons. And Emily, you know, where she was, you know, pretty much involved with Montel in, in kind of how it went, it didn't go our way that night. You know, they probably learned the biggest lesson. They learned the absolutely the, the biggest lesson of what that is, because that's four women, all four different experiences of an Olympic Games. But you know what? That was our experience of an Olympic Games. And that's what we'll live with. That's what we'll have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think uh, you got you ran amazingly, absolutely nailed the first leg, and you couldn't affect any of anything else. You just had to watch it, and I can't. And even though we're all in that same race, like you say, we are having different experiences, and yeah, and it it, it did. I'm not gonna lie. It took me it take me a while to kind of come to terms with just. Um, not even so much the, like you said, not so much the not getting, getting the baton round and not potentially winning a medal and all the things that may or may not have brought, um, but just the relationships in that moment. And, and it is so easy looking back, but I think some of it, like we were young and we're kind of thrown into that situation. And like you say, not always do we have the right support round us in that situation. It's, a, it's, it's tough. And um, so I think... Yeah, it, yeah, there's, yeah, I could have done stuff differently probably, but some of it's a blur, to be honest, as well, because I've gone. You're right. Could you have done things differently? Could I have done things differently that day? Listen, could the coach, you know, God bless him, Roger, could he have done things differently that day? And you're right, it is about having the right type of support around you. It makes me wonder, like, how different might it, how different might it have been had we had a female coach? you know, that would have maybe had a a different perspective, a different lens in that moment for all of us as, you know, 20-something-year-olds who were desperate to do well at an Olympic Games on such a large platform. It just doesn't happen. We're not team And it's bigger than that race and it's bigger than Olympics because it's 
it's what was going on in the sport in those years leading up to it and how we're qualified. It's there's such a story behind that race. Uh, and like you can't compare it to relays now, really, because it was a different environment, a different it's a completely different uh, yeah, relays now. Listen, I say to the girls now, you don't know how good you got it. Listen, <laughs> I said we were fighting back then, mate. We could have never done what you guys are doing now because we were every day there was beef. And this is the thing. It's like, you know, you need to be able to come together and understand those experiences and just have, like I say, a wider lens of how that looks. But honestly, I personally, Emily, I'm not sure about you. I probably wouldn't have changed that moment because it shaped so much. It, 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 it really showed actually in that moment where you think things are pretty much a given they can automatically get taken away. And the Jamaican girls would have felt the same in that moment as well. They were nailed on for gold and they messed up worse than us. So, you know what? <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, it is. And it is the extremes, isn't it? Sport is like such high, but so low as well. And that's good les- lessons all around there. But um, yeah. Guys, I love this chat. I could, I could listen to this chat all day, but we probably have a couple of minutes left of podcast time. Um, how, Jeanette, how do you take those experiences and how do you take all those highs and all those disappointments and all of that? How do you package that up and how do you put that in? You, you are a role model to younger athletes, to other people, to your children. How, what do you want them in that? If you can't see it, you can't be it. What do you want them to see in you that they can then be? I think that it's really important that um, when we use the term role models, um, I think there has to be an element of understanding there's there's a realness to it. So whenever everyone kind of says, oh, Jeanette, you're a bit of a role model, I kind of switch up a little bit and say, I feel like a bit more like a real model because I've got flaws like everybody does, you know, and I think that that is key that you show there's a transparency there with you as an individual that you don't always get things right. You know, and I think it's important that we learn to fail. I think it's important that we learn to make mistakes because literally that is how you come back. You know, you don't, if if you keep on winning and winning and doing amazing at life and you have this trajectory that goes up and up and up until, you know, your final days, that's not realistic. You're going to have days that are going to feel awful. We're literally in the middle of a, a pandemic and I just think we need to be a bit kinder to ourselves. So it is that, it's understanding that you have to be a bit kinder to yourself. You have to be in a position where you know, as a person, you're not going to get things right. And just to take time with that as well. I love, I love that. that. What, what a, way a way to end, to end this, this half, half hour chat. chat. Thank, Thank you, you both so, so much, much for joining enjoy. me. Thank, Thank you. you. It's, it's been, been absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Jeanette, you, you have, have been, been an awesome, awesome podcast, podcast guest. guest. Thank you so much, Nat. Thanks, Em. I'll speak to you both soon. Thanks, bye. See you. If you know a school who might like to know more about the gender sport gap and what they can do to measure and start to close it, they should be a part of Totally Runnable's Girls and Sport Pledge. It's completely free to be a part of and includes some brilliant resources to start your school's gender sport gap journey. Just go to our website at www.totallyrunnable.com or Google Totally Runnable Girls and Sport Pledge or email me nat at totallyrunnable.com.